Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 2, Episode 6, Scorpion. Bill the dog was attuned to gunfire. It did not bother him as much as it heightened his senses to what was going on around him. Bill was trained to save lives. He was trained to sense danger and do what he could to protect the lives of his squad. He was a soldier first. He didn't think. He acted in accordance with his training. He had no sense of bravery or heroism, only a burning sense of duty. The safety of the squad was his first priority. Bill had been trained in search and rescue and recovery. Bill had been specifically schooled in water rescue. It was with this acute sense of duty that he reacted as the conflict raged on the bridge. He heard the old man commanding him to stop, but his training, years of training and years of action and battle with his squad overrode what one man wanted. He felt the conflict of his actions only for the briefest moment until his training took hold and he leapt to the aid of his squad mate. When he jumped, Bill was initially sucked below the water but struggled to the surface. The cold water flooded his eyes and nose. Bill retched and coughed but kept his focus on the flailing figure in the raging river ahead. The boy had unwound himself from the corpse's shroud and was struggling to keep his head above water. Bill could feel, more than he could hear, the old man's plaintive yowl. That scream faded into frothing water as Bill the dog dug hard to catch up with the boy. Bill was a big dog and a strong swimmer. His thick, curly coat gave him natural buoyancy. He made progress towards the boy with a determined churning of his legs. He could see the boy was tiring, his arms flailing, his head dipping under the water and then struggling to the surface to grab whatever oxygen was there. Bill swam hard and soon had gained the boy's position. He let out a quick, sharp bark to signal aid. Bill bumped the boy with his hip, turning his head to give the boy access to his harness as he had been drilled to do. The boy groped, scrabbling with cold fingers to grab the dog's harness. Fingers slipped once, but managed to find purchase on the second try. Timmy stuck one hand and arm under the dog's harness and attempted to tread water with the other, kicking weakly to stay afloat with the dog. The boy held on, and Bill swam hard, taking a path downstream towards the shore. 
The roar of the water grew louder as the river narrowed into a set of fearsome rapids. Large boulders forced the flow up into standing waves and then down into sucking vortexes. The flow was chaotic, and there were tree limbs, debris, and other flotsam mixed with the rocks. Bill needed to get to shore with the boy. If not, they would both be pulled into the violent rapids. They would be battered and torn to shreds like tree limbs going through a shredder. The river's might that had powered the old mills for a century was now a force of destruction. Bill pushed hard to the bank, but the boy was dragging him down. They were both struggling to breathe. They fought for gulps of air around the sucking water as it battered their heads. If only he could make it to the shallows and get some traction. He could drag them to safety. He was close, but the river was pulling them back into the deadly center flow with a persistence and aggression that bordered on malevolent. Bill was struggling. The boy felt like dead weight. Bill was reaching his limit. He was tiring. But would keep the struggle going, keep the effort going, until life left his body. His training was strong, but that wasn't the only thing. His innate animal drive was stronger. That was his certainty. That was his heart. Just as they were being pulled into a deep hole, Bill's feet and body bounced against something hard. Something solid was wedged in the rocks of the rapids, something big and metal— Bill's toenails scraped and caught traction. It was a humbee from the bridge. It was lodged on its side in the rocks. The river had filled it with water and trapped it there. The bulk of the truck created a relative calm spot in the midst of the rushing water that Bill could use to make it to the next rock and then possibly to shore. It was fortunate that this blockage appeared when it did, because the boy had nothing left. The last thing Timmy saw before he lapsed entirely into the shadow world of unconsciousness was the shattered corpse of a man dangling unnaturally from the open roof of the truck. It was held in place by a gun strap caught on the roof mount. The body wavered heavily in the current, a grisly bait for an angry and hungry river god. Using the truck as a breakwater, Bill was able to drag the exhausted and hypothermic boy out of the raging flow to the boulders at the river's edge. The boy wasn't even holding the harness anymore, but his hand and arm were wedged in it as Bill dragged them both onto dry land. The boy's hand slipped free of the harness with the gravity of the shore. Bill paused to do a tremendous shake of his whole body, a shimmering display that sent a rainbow of water in all directions before he returned to inspect the boy. Timmy was still alive. Bill could sense that, but the boy was unconscious and shivering violently. He lay with his torso on the gravel shore and his legs in the water. The current was lapping at his feet. He had one shoe missing. Bill grabbed the boy's shirt collar in his strong jaws and pulled the limp form out of the shallows. He tugged the boy's limp body up across the rocky shingle to the muddy and weed-filled floodplain that lined the river. The big dog gently laid the boy on a patch of dry grass in the open a few yards up from the river's edge. Bill sniffed at the boy. He nudged and licked the boy. He whined at the boy. He gave three short, sharp barks, hoping to alert any other member of the squad. 
But he was at the end of his training. The big dog was frustrated and stuck. He physically felt his inability to help the boy. Bill had been trained to fight and save lives. But he was a dog. So he did what a dog would do. Bill the dog curled around and over the shivering form of the boy. Timmy, he didn't know what else to do. He could lend his body heat and guard until the squad found him. It was what his instinct told him to do. Bill the dog whined a low plaintive sound and gently licked the boy's face. With the storm clearing, the sun was breaking through occasionally to warm the ground. The river continued to roar in the background like a hungry beast. Bill lifted his head and howled a sad exhausted howl before laying his big head on the boy's chest. Bill the dog sighed a big tired sigh and curled closer to wait. Willie tensed and froze in the crouch. She wasn't alone. That noise came from the direction of the river. It sounded like some sort of bark, or was it a howl? A dog or animal sound. Maybe more of those feral dogs that now seemed common in the apocalypse. They were dangerous when they ran in packs, but she could typically outwit them. They still had enough fear of humans that you could bluff them into confusion. You just had to be careful not to get caught in the open. Or maybe it was a coyote. The coyotes were making their way back into a position of dominant scavenger in this world. Their territory was expanding, following the river. She could hear them at night celebrating a fresh kill with her eerie screeching in a crisp winter air. In the still of the night, the coyotes sounded like the screams of demented children being tortured. Just thinking about it sent a chill down Willie's spine. Coyotes were designed for this new world, she figured. They were smart, sneaky, and violent opportunists. What was that story the crazy old guys on the stoop like to repeat? that only rats and cockroaches would survive the end of the world. Looks like they'd have to add dogs and coyotes to their list. Now, without humans around to push back, there would emerge new top dogs to rule the crumbling wastes. She thought back to the urban coyotes that lived in the parks of Atlanta. They moved in the shadows and survived, even thrived in the city, despite being surrounded by dangerous humans who wish them harm. A familiar feeling, she thought, lifting an ironic smile. Willie had a lot in common with coyotes. She, too, had survived and thrived in the projects of Atlanta while being surrounded by dangerous humans. She waited patiently for a few minutes in silence and listened hard to the dying storm, but there were no more telltale sounds. She should investigate. One of her scavenging routes ran along the river's edge. She was familiar with the territory. It had become a front yard of sorts for her. She made a habit of checking the periphery on her daily rounds. She had set some animal traps and taught herself to catch, clean, and cook the game. She had done it more on the whim of an intellectual challenge, a city girl like her acting like one of the TV mountain men or 18th century pioneers that she read about while hiding in the city library. She had also set some subtle markers at early warning systems of a sort. 
do-it-yourself tripwires and deadfalls to warn her of approaching or lurking savages. Her wits and paranoia had kept her alive this long. Despite that, she didn't see her current situation as a particularly safe one. She hadn't seen anyone since those savage men swept through the area. They were easy enough to hide from. No need to run. If you ran, they'd chase you. Better to hide. And she liked her place close to the river. The river constantly provided interesting things for her to salvage, especially after the storms. There were useful castoffs sucked down the stream and thrown up onto the banks. This stretch of river, upstream and downstream of the rapids and waterfall, was especially generous. Early on, there had been bodies, gray and bloated corpses flushed down the river like human-shaped excrement. Now the corpses were gone, replaced by bones, brown jumbles of human bones on the riverbank like seashells on an ocean shore. This last part she imagined from her books as well, because Willie had never actually seen an ocean up front and personal. But she imagined that she could smell the salt, feel the spray, and hear the waves like, what was that name? Ahab, the guy who chased the white whale. She didn't know anyone named Ahab. She knew a guy named Akeem. He was a friendly man with a bright and friendly smile, who swept the curbs in the morning when she waited for the bus. Probably dead now. Willie thought without much emotion and gathered her dreadlocks into the twist behind her head to keep her eyes and ears clear. She pulled up the hood of her shirt. Sensing nothing, she uncoiled herself from her crouch and began to circle downwind from where the sound had come. The white noise of the river increased as she crept along the trail in the brush, alert and stealthy. She knew these trails as well as any rabbit and felt the orientation of the land around her as she moved. She crested a small rise just above where she thought the noise came from, slipped a short-bladed knife from its hiding place in her sleeve, and moved cautiously forward. On a grassy opening next to the rocky beach, she could see outstretched human legs. There was some sort of large animal laying there, too. It looked like a big dog or a wolf. At first, she thought she had stumbled on the scene of a recent kill. But there wasn't any blood, and the dog, or whatever it was, was not eating the figure. It looked more like the dog was sleeping on it. She scanned the area for more dogs or other threats and didn't see anything. She hadn't heard a sound since that last howl twenty minutes ago. Strange. What was going on here? Just what had the river gifted her this morning? The big dog raised his head and looked in her direction. Willie froze. Damn, she thought. The dog stared hard at where she was hidden. She didn't flinch, but somehow it had sensed her because its lips pulled back and revealed an impressive set of yellowing teeth. Bill sensed something. He sensed a threat. Someone was there. He raised his head and saw and sensed a shadow form in the brush. He tensed and waited, on alert. A hooded figure rose slowly from its crouch and came into the open. 
Bill saw the weapon in her hand and rose as well, muscles tensed and teeth bared. The boy still breathed, and Bill would protect him, as was his duty. The dog had seen her. She could see that it was a dog now, a big one. It had a mass of dark gray curly hair and a big head and a weird-looking curled tail that stuck up from its ass like a flag. It was wearing a vest of some sort. Definitely not a feral dog. What to do now? She really had nothing to gain from tangling with this dog. And did she really have a reason to care about this person? Just another body in the apocalypse. She could build a mound as big as a school bus from the bodies she'd seen in the last six months. Their graying skulls leered at her from the river's edge. But something in her was curious. What did her grandma used to say? Curiosity killed the cat. Which was code for, keep your head down and mind your own business, child. Willie rose slowly and took a step further into the open. In response, the dog rose with bared teeth and raised hackles, its eyes locked on her movements. It seemed to be protecting the body, the body of a boy. She could make out now. She stopped moving. Agitated as the dog was, it was clearly in a defensive stance. She went through the motions in her mind. If the dog came at her, it probably won't go straight for an attack. It would faint first to scare her off and pursue if she ran. She had learned that, with dogs, the last thing you wanted to do was act like prey. With dogs, you had to act like an even bigger, meaner dog. Willie stood up straight and looked at the dog directly in the eye. She raised her empty hand high in the air to give her even more height and said in a low and commanding of voices she could muster, No! Bill flinched when the girl spoke the familiar command. He momentarily lost his snarl and sank back a little. What to make of this human? Now it was giving commands, but it still had a weapon. It still was a threat. His duty was still to the boy, and he would do his duty. Sit, Willie shouted with as much authority as she could find. Stay. She took another small and tentative step forward, and the dog resumed its growl and defensive posture. Christ, she thought. What was she going to do now? She couldn't back away, and she couldn't go forward. This dog probably outweighed her and had a head as big as the pit bulls that the gangsters used to chain up in the basement of her building. She had to hold the bluff. If she could keep it off guard, she could find that soft spot between the ear and the biting jaw to drive her killing blade. She waved her raised empty hand a little to draw its attention away from her knife hand. She spoke softly to the dog and edged forward. Hey, big guy, who's a good doggo? That's a good dog. Bill heard the soft words from the girl, but he also sensed her fear. More importantly, he saw the weapon and knew what to do. He had trained through the scenario. He had acted it out on cushioned trainers and in the field with real human threats. Bill knew what to do. When she got close enough, he would attack. He'd seize that weapon-holding arm in his big jaws and crunch the flesh and bones of it until the arm was useless as a weapon. Then he would tear at it until the threat was gone. He waited for the moment. 
She didn't want to kill this dog, but she would, and it wouldn't keep her awake at night. She did what she needed to survive. Willie continued to coo soft words to the dog and make movements with her free hand to distract him. When he came at her, she would bring that hand down and grab the harness behind his head to hold off those teeth while she brought the blade up. It was going to be tricky. She'd have to move fast. Good doggo, she said. Pretty doggo, I'm just going to pet you. Easy doggo. Bill readied himself. Another few inches and she'd be in range. Willie gripped the knife handle tighter and prepared to flash it out like a cobra strike as she had practiced over and over again in her small room until she could do it without thinking. A graceful, deadly cobra strike that would be the end of this dog. The dog straddled the boy's body and prepared to tear off the arm of his intruder. The girl circled closer with small dancer-like steps. She was like a scorpion preparing to strike with one hand poised above her and one held low. The two combatants hung on the verge of a violent reckoning, a deadly snapshot of survival in the apocalypse. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, survivors. Here we are, episode six of the second season of After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. And we have our friend Bill back in play so you can stop with the angry messages. Well, we're not out of the woods yet, right? We left you with a cliffhanger, or more like a grassy knoll hanger. So there's a whole thing on the internet around one of the writing rules is never kill the dog. So <laughs> learned a couple things this week from my interaction. And the first one was, and I already knew this, but it was hammered home by some comments on our Facebook page. And that is that when you're reading or listening to something, you're creating those pictures in your own head from what the author or the writer is telling you, right? And that's the magic of reading or listening. 
And that's the advantage of it over like a TV or a movie, right, which shows you exactly what it is. You get to create your own visuals when you're reading or listening. So as the author, I have to be sure that I'm giving you just the right amount of detail to put you in the scene with the characters, but also at the same time, be mindful not to be too prescriptive so that you can build your own constructs. So in a sense, you and I are working together to build that picture in your head. So sometimes I give you a lot of leeway to see it the way you want to see it. And sometimes I narrow it down and it becomes very specific because it is important to me that we all see the same thing. And I have a very clear picture in my head of what I'm trying to get across. And it's important. So you'll see me doing that. It was just interesting to me to see people talking about that. So we've been kicking around cover design graphic ideas on the Facebook group. And there's some very strong opinions on exactly what the characters should look like, especially Bill the Dog. And this is perfectly okay. My job is to paint. And after it leaves my hand, it's in yours to fill in the details and render it the way that makes you happy. So anyhow, that was a long and tiresome way of saying everyone pictures what the dog looks like a little bit differently. And also uh, join our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash old man apocalypse. Or just Google it. You'll find it. And you can join in, too, on these rollicking conversations that we're having. Good group of people. Up to 56 or 57 people now. Kind of fun. The second thing I learned this week is that I have no insights into how a street smart girl from the the inner city of Atlanta would talk. So I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta, but apparently I haven't been in that part of Atlanta or I never listened. So anyhow, if you uh, know a street smart kid from Atlanta that I can talk to, you can point him in my direction. So I did finally finish Stranger in a Strange Land by Heinlein. And, okay, the original construct of this book is good, and it's interesting. Let's take a human that has no knowledge of Earth or humanity and drop him back into Earth society and see through his eyes what he thinks of it, right? And it's very much a book of its time. It parodies the government, the church, and all the social and cultural mores of that time. And I suppose it would have been shocking to some of people in that time with the, all this uh, thinly veiled <laughs> editorial going on. And that was the emerging promise at that time of the golden age of science fiction, that you could play with these concepts safely in a sci-fi world, in a sci-fi construct. And like I said before, I read... The full 600-page original author's manuscript, not the edited original publishing version. And that was probably a mistake because I could have lived without the 200 pages of character dialogue justifying why guilt-free group sex was a gift to humanity. Not that I have anything against guilt-free group sex, but from a 2021 point of reference, it's not that novel or shocking at least not enough to spend that much ink on. So I'll mark it off as a foundational read for my ongoing study of the genre and move on. 
I am currently reading A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Michael Mitchell Jr. And it is awesome. Again, from the golden age of science fiction, 1959. I'm loving it. It's a great apocalyptic read, and it's really funny in a smart way. So I went out with my daughter Saturday night. It was my birthday last weekend. And we went to see the new Dune movie in movie theater. I liked it. You definitely want to see it in the theaters, in the big screen, because the music and the visuals are really powerful on the big screen. And I know some people hated it, and some people liked it. I had read the original novels probably in the early 90s, maybe, late 80s. So that was long enough ago that I had forgotten most of the details, and this turned out to be a really good setup because I remembered stuff as the movie progressed, but I didn't have preset expectations to ruin it for me. So it was sort of filling in the blanks around what I had remembered. All right, my friends, thank you for listening. You can help the show by recommending to a friend or two or four and rating and reviewing all these helps. I picked up a few new listeners because apparently Audible is recommending us to its audiobook listeners who like apocalypse stories. Not sure how that works. It's not an audiobook, but hey, go with it, right? Take the listeners. And thank you to new Patreon supporter Mark. Mark, for your kind donation to keep the lights on over here at Apocalypse Central. And as we speak, we're approaching eh, 10,000 downloads a month, so thank you again. And we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks, and keep surviving. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.